Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hi, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. This is Paige. And this is Lindsay. And we're here doing our, I was going to say semi-annual, but that's not right. Every few month get together (laughs) at the Hot Springs Airbnb. Yeah, as we do more and create more and have more success, we have to meet more, which is cool. Yes, I love that. So if you don't know, we're on TikTok at Mindful as a Mother. We're also on Instagram, Mindful as a Mother podcast. And Lindsay and I both have an individual Instagram account also. Mm-hmm. What's your handle? At Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. I always get the underscore wrong, which is why I make you say it. I get the underscore wrong, and it's my account. Oh. Well, mine's Parenting with Paige. Yours is easy. Yeah. And we have a Facebook um, podcast page, which is interesting, because I didn't think Facebook would be as popular with you guys, but, like, y'all are lighting it up. Yeah, you love Facebook. And also, trolls love Facebook. Trolls love Facebook, yeah. We get the most troll comments on Facebook. It's so true. It, we, we posted a TikTok one time of like giving reference to our experience because combined we have over 15 years experience and I personally have worked over 5,000 um, hours of counseling with children and families and individuals and Lindsay's probably double that and they just commented and they were like I don't believe this for one second. I know. I was like, okay. I thought, like, what makes you qualified to talk about parenting? I don't know, Todd. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, Todd. <laughs> it's always a middle-aged white man, too. Um, That's usually. so true. Or woman. Middle-aged women are mean, too. Also true. It's the ones where their bio is generally, like, what they ate for dinner, I have found. It's like visiting Nancy at the steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I really had one of those. Also, he told me I didn't know how to talk. We are going to a steakhouse for dinner, so I'm going to change my bio to visiting page at the steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't, please tune in to the last three episodes we did when we're talking about the Solvit Grid. For reference, we're talking about Tamara Rosier, PhD's book, Your Brain is Not Broken, Strategies for Managing ADHD. And so she has this really beautiful concept that she has designed around quadrants for our energy and how to kind of quantify our tasks and really identify what shows up for us. And I'm going to have Lindsay do a real quick recap of the quadrants. But again, it's just a recap. So you really need to tune into those episodes to check in for what we're doing today. So red are the things that are not fun to do, but we often use malicious motivation or high emotionality to get going. So this is like procrastinating and then there's the pressure and you're angry and annoyed that's that's right yellow are the tasks that are not fun and there's not really emotion attached this is your dishes laundry paying your bills returning phone calls it's hard to motivate yourself to do them and they're not really that fun yeah blue are the energy chargers that are good in small doses but if you do it too much 
it then makes it harder to be motivated to do other things. This is the napping, the Netflix binging, the scrolling. Video games. It turns into doom scrolling. Yes, Mm -hmm. video games, all the things. Uh, Where am I at? Green are the things that are very energizing and connect you back to your values and very fun. The things that fall into each category are going to be different for each person and child. And so keep that in mind as well. And I think this changes throughout your life and throughout the circumstance based on like where your energy level is at. Um, Paige, I have a quiz for you. Okay. Fun or not fun. (laughs) Hosting (laughs) parties and events. Fun. (laughs) For me, that is an absolute not fun. Never. That is a red task for me 100% of the time. A hundred percent of the time? Yeah. Two ADHD You're like always panicked? Always panicked, yeah. I mean, I just need a shirt that says always panicked. Always (laughs) The number of graphic tees we create in our minds. And yes, we have never, we have never launched merch, guys. And maybe we need to one day. I don't know what will be first. Always be validating. Always panicked. ADHD mom. Always be validating and always be panicked. (laughs) Not the same shirt. Lindsay's making fun of me because I really like to host events and things. Not always because I need a break, but it's like a very green thing for me to socialize and get together with people and just live my best life as the child I wanted to be. And so I'm hosting or co-hosting a 4th of July party and I'm going to water slide and there's face paint and we're doing a nacho bar. And she's telling me about it and all I'm thinking is this sounds like my worst nightmare to host something. I will attend. But to host something like that, I'd rather call people back. I would rather do clinical dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, but it's a good example of how neurodivergence does not show up the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for you, that is a green thing. And for me, that is an absolute red thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true for our kids, too, which is what we talked about in the last episode Mm -hmm. um, chapter. So today what we're talking about is predictable patterns. And so we brought up a lot of these, but didn't name them in the last few episodes. But it really is the unconscious patterns that are comfortable for us, but we don't realize how they are damaging our energy levels or productivity or relationships. (coughs) Sorry, I had to sneeze. Um, I also wanted to say that, oh, I've got to sneeze again. I hate that feeling. (coughs) I'll edit that out. Salud. 6.13. We write that down. It's just recording. Yeah. 6.13 to 6.30. Okay. So, I want to talk about when things are unconscious, like these patterns, we typically... Well, we are not aware of them, right? When we bring them into the conscious, it does not mean that they will change automatically. And a lot of people get frustrated with that point. So it's kind of, you start doing it and you're watching yourself do it, but you can't really stop it. Does that make sense? And that's the the, the hardest part of healing, I think, to be in or recovering or whatever you want to call this. And then there will be a time where you can make choices or do things that shift you out of it. And so it's kind of a stage process. So these questions and the and patterns that we're going to talk about in this episode are a really good way to help you recognize the common unconscious patterns that we have so you can make them more conscious and then change them. 
Yeah. And we're using the solve it grid to kind of evaluate them to build that awareness. And you'll be able to identify some of your mistaken beliefs. It'll help you create better habits and even improve your relationships and performance. But again, it's a stage process. So right now we're in the like, maybe not even in our awareness and we're moving into awareness. And then once we have an awareness of it and how's it, how it shows up, then we'll be able to make choices. So it's going to be a multi-step process. And this is the very, very, very beginning. Yes. And I think you'll be able to then see how it shows up in your parenting as well once you're aware of these patterns. Yes. So the first pattern is the one that um, Dr. Tamara refers to as the need for speed pattern. So this is when you're operating in the red quadrant, like pushing the panic button on your body every time you need to get something done. So when you need to use this pattern or you are using this pattern, you create tension and pressure in your life, whether that's conscious or unconscious. Yeah. 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 So that includes creating like self-manufacturing crises that trigger your body's stress response, which I thought was interesting because I feel like I had a very chaotic childhood. And so sometimes life was very chaotic in my adulthood because that's where I was comfortable living. Yeah, and you unconsciously create chaos because it feels normal and safe for you. And it can feel really boring to exist. And you don't know how to exist without the chaos. Yes. Um, And we're all going to feel pretty red by this comment where she talks about how you might feel like you work best under stressful circumstances. But Mm -hmm. truthfully, you don't. Mm -hmm. Like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. That's an insult. (laughs) So what happens with living in the red quadrant is it puts lots and lots of stress on your body, including the nervous system. And Lindsay, talk a little bit about what's going on with your nervous system in the red quadrant and how it's impacting you. You're most likely in fight or flight. um, And so you're releasing all these hormones and chemicals into your body. And our body's made to be stressed sometimes. That's why people do cardio right? Like to, you you elicit a stress response Mm -hmm. and it is healthy, but then you return to normal and Mm -hmm. you have time for rest and repair. But what we tend to do is we tend to stay chronically in a stress response or it becomes the patterned way our nervous system knows how to motivate us. And our body will burn out. And a lot of people have like medical conditions or things like that. And it, it will push you into the blue, um, the freeze if you stay in it long enough. Also, you are always on edge viewing the world through a sense of like, everything is dangerous. Everyone's out to get me. I need to be protecting myself at all times, meaning that we are more irritable and more likely to lash out at others around. Yeah. You're also very self-centered and focused because when you are in fight or flight, your primary goal is survival. Mm -hmm. So you are focused on the highest danger first which is typically whatever your highest stressor is. So Mm -hmm. it makes it very, very hard to empathize with other people, to see other perspectives. We often feel like other people are out to get us in this phase because that is what our brain is wired to do when we're like this. And Mm -hmm. it really wears on the body. And so like Lindsay said, there's a lot of chronic illness that tends to present. And she shared in a previous episode her stress hives. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was awful. Yep. And I also ended up getting stressed and do shingles on the side of my face, which was bizarre. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that is a very real way that living in the red zone shows up for you. And at that time in my life, I was 
going to college full time and I was working full time at the same time while I was sharing an apartment with five other women, trying to pay all my bills, get enough sleep, get all of my homework in, get to work on time, do well at work so I could get paid. It was a whole situation and um, like financial stress at that time because I wasn't making very much money, but I had a lot of bills. So that's an example of like being in the red, being in survival. Your body is trying to survive and it wears on it. A really good book for this, if you don't know, is called The Deepest Well. I really like that one. Have you read it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. So I recommend that for people who are interested in learning more about the ACEs, which we talked about previously, but it's basically like an inventory to determine how stressful your experiences in childhood were or are and how that could relate to later health outcomes, physical health outcomes, not just mental health like people thought. And I think these red patterns that we're going to talk about are the hardest because it... Being in fight or flight makes you so freaking productive. It really can. It really does. And in our society, that's a badge of honor. Yeah. And it's, I got so much done. And for me, like I have, and most ADHD people have this. I have big dreams. I have big plans. I have big goals. And a lot of times when I'm in red are the times when I'm like, oh, I can do it all. Yeah. Like I can do it all. And then when I get sick, when I burn out or when I'm an asshole to everybody around me, then I'm like, maybe I can't do it all. And this isn't the healthy way to go about this. But there is that moment of like, oh, like I got so much done today. Yeah. Yeah. You get the dopamine of getting all the things done or being rewarded for your productivity. And like we talked about in our previous episode, the other things break down around us, our physical health, our personal relationships, our relationships with our children. We may not recognize those. Mm -hmm. So this is a little quiz. Give yourself one point for yes to each answer that you answer yes to. um, And this will let you know if this is maybe a pattern that you struggle with personally. Okay. Am I answering for myself a year ago or myself now? What do you want to answer for? Mm, Do a year ago. Do a year ago? Yeah. Okay. I'm just choosing. Okay. Okay. Do you always seem to have a crisis going on in your life, real or overblown? Yes. Does getting angry help you work better? Yes. Are you always rushing with a packed schedule? Yes. Would others say that you often have dramatic conflicts or outbursts of intense emotion? I'm laughing because the first time I took this quiz, I was like, we need to call Tim and he would absolutely say yes. So yes. Do you feel guilty if you use your spare time to relax? Yes. I think that's a really, really big indicator of people in the need for speed category. Maybe you were never given an opportunity to relax. Um, Do you need to win to get enjoyment from games and sports? No. Do you generally move, walk, and eat rapidly? Yes. Like a a rush, rush, rush. Are your physical movements hurried? Yes. Do you thrive or feel exhilarated under pressure? Yes. Do you or others consider yourself a high achiever? Yes. Okay, so if you scored, (laughs) listeners, above seven... You probably have some things with this pattern that you want to address. Yes. And one thing I... Well, now it's gone. Dang it. Working memory. Come back to me. I tap on my head when I can't remember. It seems to help. Hey, Lindsay here. The thing that gives me the most anxiety about raising my son is the fear that the world will try to force him to conform and become someone who is neurotypical passing. That's why in our home, we do everything we can to support him in just being his best self. If he needs to stim, you got it, buddy. If he's having a sensory meltdown, let's cocoon and cancel our plans. Being his best self means trusting himself in a world that will tell him being himself is wrong. 
That freaking breaks my heart for him. That fear used to paralyze me, but now it just empowers me to fight harder to change how we view and approach neurodiversity as parents. If I can give him a strong enough foundation of self-worth, he will be resilient and brave enough to be himself. That's what I wish for my child, your child, and every child on this earth, regardless of their neurotype. And that's why we created Responsive Parenting Your Neurodivergent Child, the video series. In this series, we break down how to determine your child's unique needs and how to parent them from a responsive approach rather than an approach that's focused on behavior and punishment. Because instead of trying to fit these kids into the world, we need to make their world work for them. And this course will show you how to do it. It's $20. Check out the link in our show notes. That's something to do with one of the questions that you asked. Consider yourself a high achiever? No, it was before that. Physical hurry? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. So I did uh, a post or a TikTok or some, some kind of content about slowing down your movements if you're someone with ADHD who finds himself in fight or flight a lot. And I think I just wanted to point that out, that that can be a really good way if you're in this pattern. Like, just mm-hmm. it's like a game. Like, sometimes if I notice, like, I'm being really hurried, I will deliberately like, okay, you're going to move as slow as possible doing this thing while still doing it. And I can feel myself drop back out of the red. Oh, how interesting. I've also done this long enough. I do a lot of nervous system work, so you might not feel it, but you will notice that. But I had multiple people DM me um, because I think maybe I shared it on a story or something. And they were like, no, I tried this and I actually felt so, my ADHD symptoms were so much less Uh because you're forcing yourself to just like slow it down. Or the other thing is if I'm trying to multitask, I know I'm in the red. So like if I'm doing the dishes while I'm getting ready for work, which yes, I will somehow try and do. It's like, I'll do a few and then I'll go get ready and do it. Then then I'm like, "Mm, I'm in the red. So like, let's take it back, slow down one thing at a time. Yeah, I love that. I think another one is um, focusing on being present in your relationships. Mm -hmm. So for part of that, if I find – I found myself not being present when I'm in the red with my kids. So implementing, again, like a no-phone zone or intentionally setting aside all distractions to be present helps bring me back down. I was just going to say the other way I know I'm in the red is if I'm checking my phone a lot. And it's like a work thing. It's And, and our work-life balance is really tricky. We talk about this a lot because I don't really enjoy social media, which sounds freaking weird. Because if you look at social media, our faces are everywhere at this point. Like we're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Yeah. It's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, But then I also have my private practice, emails, text messages, all the things. And if I'm in the red, I'm checking my phone outside of work hours or when I actually need to be checking it. And not just to like check in. It's like a, I don't want to say stimulation, but it's like a response thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's almost automated. So you are on autopilot. Yeah. So I'll just put my phone somewhere else or I don't. Like if I'm watching a show and I'm checking it a lot, I put it upstairs. So I just- yeah. So speaking of watching a show, I intentionally use that blue activity for me watching a show to get out of red, which is one of the ways to sprinkle in like some of the other quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. When you have this pattern, because what I'll do is I'll put my phone in a different room on the charger. So I have to, 
I am intentionally present watching this show. Mm-hmm. And so that leads me to a level of presence and a little bit of re-energizing. And when you have these these patterns and you recognize them, it is helpful to put barriers, both internal and external, from yeah. the thing. Because it is so automatic that sometimes if my phone's in the room, I'll just find myself picking it up. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell am I doing? It's yeah. 10 o'clock at night. I do not need to be like looking at my phone or checking my email, right? And so it's, it. but if it's upstairs on the charger, then I have to get up, walk my happy butt all the way upstairs. Uh-huh. And if I'm real bad, I put it in my room, which is like two flights upstairs up. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> that's not happening. Yeah. Well, what I think that is not happening two flights of stairs. I'm just going to bed. But what I think is really helpful with the external cue is it's also an external reminder for me on why it's in the other room mm-hmm. because it's like easy to forget, right? Executive function. Mm-hmm. And so I'll reach for where my phone normally is and it's not there. So then it triggers the reminder in my brain like, oh yeah, I'm trying to be present. Like it's in there yeah. because I don't want to be on it. Yeah. And then I it's easier for me to choose not to go get it or not even want to go and refocus. And refreshing your feed is like the most overstimulating thing ever because uh-huh. you just refresh. It's something new. It's something new. And it's that cheap dopamine over cheap. and over. Cheap. That's the key word. Cheap dopamine. It is not fulfilling. It is. That's the wish version. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is the wish. It's not even sheen, guys. It is freaking wish. Like your Nike symbol is backwards on those. So she does share some examples in the chapter of skills that she uses herself or that her clients use. So I think it'd be helpful just to mention a couple of those too. Okay. Which one I really like is addressing false beliefs. So it's understanding some of those deeply held beliefs like my worth is tied to my productivity. Oh gosh. And this goes like deep for me because I feel like, and I know that a lot of people probably feel the same way, but um I, like, if I got good grades, I got praise. If I, I was, like, the good girl. Like, that is how I got attention, praise, and validation from my parents growing up. And I didn't have a sense of, because my mom was so chaotic, like, that's the one thing. Like, if I could either not be seen or be productive or be an achiever, that was the one way I could kind of, like, keep myself safe. And so, and that is also the thing that helped me get out of that situation so young. Because I moved out. Yeah, because you were And I've never been dependent on her in any way since then, even financially, like at a young age, even when it was hard because I would have rather lived in the red, worked two jobs while going to college to live on my own. Mm -hmm. That like, so yes, that is my superpower. But then I've had to say like, this isn't serving me anymore. Yes. Right? Like I'm safe here and that is not serving me. So if you come from that, be aware and be gentle with yourself that like, it may have served a purpose. Think that part of you that was able to do that because you're amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't... You did an you don't incredible need it. thing. You don't need it anymore. And you don't need it And you've it done anymore. the same thing. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time I met you, you were telling me how you, you would take your niece to marching band with you. Oh, yeah. And we're like babysitting in high school because you were like raising your niece, right? Like yeah. those things, like you think that's like, that's in the red. Like that's something that's not a normal capacity for a, a teenager. Yeah. But you did it. But now that overfunctioning doesn't serve you anymore. Yeah, exactly. Or I would try to achieve so much and be so high achieving. I was hoping to get the validation and affection and Mm -hmm. it's a lot to unpack and I never got it. So it led me to continue Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, well, maybe if I could just achieve enough. So which is why sometimes even Lindsay and I unpack our what we call vanity metrics on our social media Mm -hmm. where it's like. I don't like social media. I don't show my face on there a lot because I'm doing more of the back end stuff. But then I get really in my head like I'm not doing enough because I'm not getting 
the validation of the vanity metrics of the likes of the reshares of the the comments like that type of stuff mm-hmm. um i i was just thinking like for me too i think that even even though i do more of the content like those vanity metrics are still superficial on some level mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so in the way that like i think people think that they will give them and this goes to your for your teenager trying to get instagram likes too this is not just like oh yeah business owners content creators like it's cheap dopamine it's cheap it's, it's cheap dopamine dopamine you, and when you start this you think that that's what you want and then that's not actually it's not actually rewarding or mm-hmm. and it becomes this pattern of more and more and more when really it's like mm, that's that's not it so yeah. um yeah, yeah. so it's in our awareness. We understand it's not serving us any longer. Yeah. And now it's really learning to teach yourself that you are good enough regardless to the amount that you achieve. So um, last weekend when we went camping, uh, we had been like a hot streak. Like we'd been selling a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, which is really cool. For us and really rewarding and I had planned to continue to kind of post throughout my vacation but I hadn't like prepped it because ADHD <laughs> um, and then I got on my vacation and I was in the green so much with my family that I actually texted Paige and I was like hey this is like the little bit of content I have planned can you post it for me and then I just like did not throw I didn't respond to comments I didn't do shit and this mm-hmm. is the first time since we've started this like I started the podcast in 2021 and Paige was working online in 2021, but we didn't like become partners until later. But in that time frame, this is the first time I've really like disconnected in that way from like feeling like I need to post. And it was really scary because that's a red thing for me. It's like mm-hmm. a, uh, I felt like I need to keep doing it or things won't keep progressing. And things did slow down. And so I had to like unpack that a little, mm-hmm. but I wasn't burnt out after yeah. the vacation because yeah. I wasn't trying to work. I came back and my content has been better this week than it had been the previous week anyway and probably way better than it would have been had I just pushed mm-hmm. through. And so it's it's those patterns where you recognize like, hey, I have this pattern of still working while I'm on vacation and thinking that I can achieve that, but that's not actually serving me. And yeah. so I need to try something different here. And I did. And so I just, I don't know, I just want to share that. It helps when you have a partner. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you can text her and be like, hey, can you, like, just take care of this for me? Um, the other skill that she had mentioned was having an evening practice, which I think helps rewriting those narrative for ourselves because she talks about how at the end of the day we look at our to-do list and we've checked off all these things and we're like, yeah, I'm feeling great. But then, we're like, all these things that we didn't do, right? Because when you're in the red, your to-do lists are very long. And instead of thinking, wow, I didn't do all of these things, recognizing and appreciating appreciating what you have accomplished. I love that. Um, I read this book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And one of the things that he talks about is like our ability to be creative and focus is diminished in our capacity because we live in a seven second TikTok culture. It's true. And we're always connected and we never like fully disconnect from work. Even if you aren't online, like if you have like a job with emails, with Slack, or if you're a mom, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just all the time. And so one thing he recommended doing, and I started doing it and it helps a lot, is at the end of the day, those lingering tasks, you you have like a special to-do list. It doesn't really like matter where it is, but you physically move them to that to-do list. And that's your brain's way of like closing the book on work for that day. I love it. 
anything that could be an external yeah. situation, like a visual, a tactile thing, yeah. helps me a lot. So if I have my to-do list and I see like, oh, I didn't get these things done, I either, and I use my iPhone, I just move the date on my iPhone at the end of the day so it goes away on my screen. Because it's like, today's over, that's not happening. So I don't need to get the notification, the overdue notification on my yeah. iPhone, like I'll deal with that tomorrow. But then it also allows me to like look at my list and say, oh, holy crap, I got a lot done today. Look at all the things yeah. that I did. And when Lindsay and I meet once a quarter, we look back on all the things that we have done specifically because it's so important to reflect on the things that you have done, you have accomplished, the people you have impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way we're not caught up in the red of always like go, go, go. Because we know that that's what our default patterns are. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Second pattern. And then uh, next week, we'll go into two more patterns. But for now, this one is the playing with fire pattern. So this one is the one we talked the most about. And I have self-identified. It's avoiding the mundane tasks in yellow until it turns into a red. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) So she talks about it's like setting a campfire in an area, but then you don't manage it and it grows and you still don't do anything. So now it's, it's a whole freaking wildfire. It's like waiting till the last minute until you're scrambling. Right. We do this all the time. This is when your teenager doesn't turn anything in until the last week of the quarter mm-hmm. or the last day of yeah. the school year. Yeah. I, that was a lot of this last school year. <laughs> so typically what Jesus happens is, you will wait until the last minute and you'll finish the project. You'll get it in. In the moment, you'll get that dopamine hit. Like, this is my best work, right? And then that wears off. And we experience a lot of shame after we actually complete the task because we had postponed it for so long. So now we're participating in a lot of negative self-talk about why we weren't able to do this, how we had higher expectations of what the product would look like. And it doesn't look like that. And our, even our like competence and ability to get things done. This is how I got through college, guys. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) But then she talks about how oftentimes when you have this pattern, you are, it's, it's a lot of like self-shame and Mm self-loathing. And so you deny yourself the things in the green quadrant because you, it's, you assign yourself as unworthy Mm -hmm. to participate in those things that bring you the most joy because you didn't do the things that needed to be done like i didn't get my adulting done so i can't go play oh yeah okay i'm gonna quiz you this time okay okay are you answering a year ago or now i'm gonna answer now do you often find yourself rushing to complete important tasks that you had intended to do days before yes do you delay simple tasks that require little more than sitting down and doing them yes do you often waste time doing other things when you're trying to prepare for a deadline? Yes. Are you constantly saying, I'll do it tomorrow? No. Do you waste a lot of time on trivial matters before try- before getting to a decision? No. Even after you make a decision, do you usually delay acting on it? Yes. Do you find yourself constantly running out of time? Yes. Is your fear of making mistakes stopping you from getting started? Yes. Do you often make excuses for not doing your best work? No. Do you wish you could take a break and have some relaxing fun without guilt? Okay, so I'm going to say yes on that one. But in the last year, that that one has really shifted to more of a no for me. Because I used to really experience a lot of guilt about spending time doing things that brought me joy. So, and what I often 
see here too is what happens is people who spend a lot of time in the yellow, and I've been guilty of this before, it's like, I can't do the thing. So, or I don't, I'm not doing the thing. So I'm doing other things, but I'm denying myself the green zone. So it's not like I'm doing anything to fill my damn cup. At least if I'm not going to do a yellow task, maybe I could spend some time in the green to like get the energy no, to do. You haven't earned it. You haven't <laughs> earned it. So then you're stuck in this cycle of like, um, I'm probably in the blue zone because that's what we do to avoid. Yeah. Right. So I'm in the blue zone and I'm not doing anything to really fill my cup. Hibernation. And then I go into red and I'm like, I'm going to get this because it's a wildfire at this point. Right. And then then I don't have time mm-hmm. for the green or that I didn't do my best work. So I don't deserve the green. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like I stay in the yellow so long that I eventually just hibernate, which is blue for me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's times when I just tap out for a whole week, even though I never did the thing that I needed to do. Yeah, I call this, like, my hermit mode. And sometimes this is natural. Like, I think it's okay to be a hermit. Um, But sometimes it is me, like, I am not, I am avoiding at this point, like, on the deep level. Yeah, it's avoidance. It says that avoidance is usually at the center of this, and that's avoiding difficult conversations, feelings, or thoughts and beliefs. So if you scored six or more on this quiz, then this would be a pattern that you struggle with, like like me. What are some of the tips? Um, so again, we're talking about addressing false beliefs. So one limiting belief that we all tell ourselves or have told ourselves is that we work better under pressure. Oh my gosh. I yeah. was like, dang. <laughs> if you do genuinely feel like you work better under pressure, then you have a problem. And I say that with all of the love in the entire world because I was one of these people. I, I I wore the fact that I thrived in an emotional crisis like a badge of honor. Yeah. Like when people were struggling. Like I remember very um, like pivotal times in my life that weren't maybe um, – so an example is I'm trying to find a way to say this like still respects this other person's part of the story. Someone very close to me had their parent die. Mm. And – I was, like, there for a lot of it. Their parent was also someone who was important in my life. Um, and I was kind of, at a young age, the support for everyone around me grieving this person. And I wore that like a badge of honor. But what I didn't realize is that is the most freaking unhealthy thing in the entire world until way later. Because the fact that I felt comfortable in that at the age, I think I was, like, 16, is astonishing. And means that I had spent a lot of my life in a crisis. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I thrive under pressure, unfortunately, because I've always been red, right? Like, that's where your coping skills exist. Like, unless you are trained to thrive under pressure Uh in the military, a firefighter, a police officer, because they're literally trained to go against their instincts. Like, firefighters run into burning buildings. Yes. Against your instincts, yes. Yeah, like that is, um, those are people that like, yeah, that's good for them to, you know, be great in a crisis, but it's not a badge of honor to be good in a crisis, guys. And I will be very transparent in saying that in the business, I experience a lot of shame and self-loathing as the emotional motivator to get me to red from yellow to red for tasks that I don't do or I don't like doing. So when they talk about playing with fire, this pattern, this loop, Mm -hmm. you're going from yellow and you slip into blue. It's not even a conscious decision. You slip into blue because you can only be in yellow for so long. And then you get you push yourself back to yellow and then red to get the thing done. And then you repeat it. 
Yeah. Well, and the other thing I want to point out is this matches very closely to our nervous system. So um, when you're in freeze, which is like the blue zone and and the unhealthy blue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You have to go back through fight or flight to get to regulate it. And so you see that in, you know what I mean? Like you don't go from blue to green. No. You go from blue to yellow to red. And it's like you have to go back through that like fight or flight piece. And so that's something to know about your body. And if you're in um, burnout or like unhealthy blue, accept that that's going to be part of your process and that's okay. But do what you can to support yourself through it. Yeah. And then when you get back to yellow, start implementing the things that will help you get get the tasks done without having to shove you into red or, or slip you into blue. Yeah. That's how, that's the part where it's like, okay, now it's in our awareness. I've seen it happen a few times. So now when I'm back into yellow, I'm trying to make one small change that will impact that. And mm-hmm. I will go back to blue and then back up to red and back to yellow, mm-hmm. but then I will be able to maybe touch on green, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not there yet, but that's why we're talking about how it's a step-by-step process. Yeah. Um, so one of the other tips is breaking stuff down into steps. So list your yellow tasks. This is why it's so important and why we taught you guys how to identify what the tasks are and then write down the how to steps of how you're going to get that done. And it's not even like you need to do all the yellow tasks, but pick three to five mm-hmm. and then actually write down how you're going to do it. And this helps my executive function so much. I actually did this once as a way of like hyping myself, like all the things I do in a day. And I did it for like content, like, and it helps me one, it like helps me see like the order I need to do things in that's most efficient, Mm -hmm. but also it's like, oh dang, I kind of do do a lot, right? Like, so it can help you with that as well. Yeah. Because we have a hard time identifying the amount of things we do Mm -hmm. just in general quantifying. Um, so this is where all those tips we talked about comes in. Set a timer. Work on your yellow task for 20 minutes. If you're in a flow, keep going. If not, give yourself permission to do something blue or green and then come back to it. Okay. These are the skills that we've been talking about the last three episodes. So with that, we are going to go ahead and dive into two more patterns next week. And I hope you're enjoying this series so far. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.